Morning, Door Creek. I'm Pastor David, one of the pastors here. I am the pastor of the soon-to-come Northside Madison campus. Yeah. Right. Yes, it is a indeed a blessing to be here this morning again, uh, to be before you, and uh, what an honor, uh, this looking at the video and um, this song that um, was sung, he made beautiful things out of the dust, beautiful things out of us, what a blessing that God made something beautiful out of us, and as, as we've seen as God's beautiful work and what he's doing um, in the north side of Madison we uh, just celebrated Thanksgiving, and we had a wonderful Thanksgiving event where we delivered uh, about 250 meals to the, yeah, yeah, to the elderly and the sick and shut-in. And so we got a chance to work with some volunteers from the north side of Madison, from the south side of Madison, and, um, and many volunteers from the north side Madison interest group right here at Door Creek. So... We had pies donated and um, cash donated, turkeys donated. We, we had a shortage of nothing. So God really came through. He did exceeding and abundantly above that which we were able to ask or think. So it was truly, uh, truly a blessing. And it's a blessing to be a part of Door Creek. And I say that because after pastoring um, my uh, previous church for 20 years, <coughs> um, I kind of as I went about in the community doing things, I kind of knew my surroundings, who I was near, if I had seen anybody from my church, you know, things like that. Uh, it was, you know, pretty familiar because we're a small church and small community. But here at Door Creek, you have opened, you have just widely opened up so many opportunities. And I don't know who I'm going to run into from Door Creek. I don't know where you all might be. And uh, so, you know, being... Being on my best behavior is important, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So um, a couple of weeks ago, my son, uh, who's an eighth grader, had a basketball game in Stoughton. Now, my son goes to Verona, uh, Savannah Oaks in Verona, and he had a basketball game in, in Stoughton. Now, I am the very vocal kind of parent in the, in the stands. You know, I like to you know, communicate with the referees and things like that. I like to, you know, bad call, you know. He traveled. Blow your whistle, you know. I'm that kind of, and my wife, she's like, oh, you know, just calm down. You know, she'll nudge me and say, hey, you're embarrassing the kids. Um, my kids that are sitting with me will sometimes get up and go find another seat and, uh, and just kind of leave me there. And I, I don't mind because I, like I like to, yeah, I like to be involved. So this particular game, a couple weeks ago, uh, something, something told me, you know, be good. Be good. The Holy Spirit, I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit just said, you know, just, just enjoy the game. And you don't have to yell. Just, you know, be good. And I said, okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to be good today. So the game was going on, and, and, and I was being good. I, I think I had one outburst where I said, bad call. Um, to one of the referees, and but from there on, my wife told me afterwards, "Say you were really good." And I said, "Yeah, I, I purposely was trying to be good." So they lost the game. So after the game, I went over to the coach, you know, to, to speak to the coach, and and I heard someone behind me say, uh, "Pastor, great sermon uh, last Sunday." And I'm like, 
is that? And I look back, and it's one of the referees. <laughs> I'm like, really? A door creaker in Stoughton at a game, refereeing? I'm like, come on. And I said, oh, thank you, Jesus, <laughs> for letting me know that today I needed to be cool because I didn't want to go yelling at the referee and then him come and say, well, you know, you preached a sermon, but, you know, you were pretty, pretty outrageous, uh, obnoxious in the, in the crowd. So I, I, I was good, and it, but it was the other rep that I yelled bad call to. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't a door creaker here. And, uh, so... So, it, it, you know, it, it's teaching me, it's molding me and making me uh, that, you know, being at Door Creek now, you just got to watch where you go, you know. You never know where you're running. But it's a lesson for us in life that everywhere we go, we have to be a light for Jesus. We have to be a great example for Jesus wherever we go because we never know who, who's watching us. You know, we are, we are a walking sermon, so we have, to, we have to really be careful. For that. So I just wanted to share that with you. That So now where I, wherever I go, I'm like, okay, could that, that could be a door creaker here. Watch where I go. <laughs> Amen. So we are, we are, I think we're ending the series now um, in Galatians. And we're talking about the freedom in Christ today from the fifth chapter. You can go ahead and find the fifth chapter of Galatians. And as we've been learning for the last few weeks, this letter that Paul wrote uh, to the churches in Galatia is a very unique letter because um, unlike some of his other letters, uh, Paul wrote um, to specific churches like Ephesus, um, to Philippi, and or to specific individuals like um, uh, Philemon and Titus. But this was to a region. This was to a region in Asia Minor of, of several churches that Paul was writing to. And Paul had a great investment in these churches because he had a hand in establishing them. So understanding his agitation was a little bit heightened because they were, um, they, were, they were starting to listen to some other teachings that were now being infiltrated into their, their communities. And so Paul was very agitated because he invested so much into them, and by them not being loyal to Paul's teaching, he felt as though they were questioning, questioning his authority. And, you know, that was always a kind of a, 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 a touchy subject anyway because, you know, Paul always, he's always um, took the, the point that he was the worst sinner, that he's, um, he doesn't deserve um, to be an apostle. You know, he kind of took on that. So when the church in Galatia started listening to the uh, Jewish Christians that were saying that you can have Christ and be saved, but you need this and you need that. You need the ceremonial law. You need to be circumcised. You need to, be, you need to have a kosher diet. You need to do all of these things to follow the ceremonial law and Jesus. Then you can really truly be saved. So when, after Paul had taught them that freedom comes through Christ and Christ only and that Christ set us free, not based on what we've done and not based on how good we are, not based on any accomplishments in our lives, but he set us free based on the pure love that he has for us. And Christ set us free from those things. And Paul wanted, us to, wanted the church in Galatia to understand that, that that was the only thing, the only means that you had to stand on. It wasn't by your goodness. It wasn't by your works. Because if it was, the law would have had all of us failing every day. 
Because we, there's no way we could live up to the law. There's no way we could satisfy the law. The law condemned us while Christ convicts us. He doesn't condone us. He doesn't condone our sin. So we shouldn't get it twisted that way that we're free so we can do anything we want to. We don't have a license to do that. But he convicts us. And when he convicts us, it leads us to repentance. And when we repent, we turn. Our lives turn. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. Is that Christ is not making us do anything. He gives us a free choice. He gives us a free will. And because of that, we can serve him in sincerity. We can serve him in all honesty and all love and all humbleness because that's what Christ gave us. He gave us that freedom. And so Paul, was, as he was teaching them and he, as he was writing to them, he wanted them to understand the liberty that they have in Christ. Now, Galatians is, is sort of, um, has been called the, sort of the Magna Carta of liberty, you know, it's, it's Paul's declaration of liberties. He's he's really stressing the point, really pushing the point that we are free. We are no longer bound by the law. We are no longer enslaved to the law. We have been set free. And he and he starts it off with that first verse in Galatians chapter five. And he starts it off with this wonderful proclamation. It says, "It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm." Then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. When Paul said stand firm, he wanted us to stand in the truth that we have received through the teaching. He wanted us not to be easily swayed by anything else. He wanted us to stand firm in God's truth and God's freedom and God's liberty that he has set us free. Paul wanted us to stand firm because knowing in life, anytime you get going on a good road, there's always some kind of opposition that's going to come. Anytime you discover a truth, there's an opposition that's going to come to try to deter that truth. Paul had, Paul had gave, given them truth. So therefore, the Judaizers had come now to give them and say, we're going to add a little bit to your truth. We're going to say, you can have Jesus, but you got to work a little bit harder because if you only have Jesus, then you're not fulfilling the law. Wait a minute. I thought the law was already fulfilled. I thought Christ had taken care of the law. I thought Christ has set us free from the law. I thought we were no longer enslaved to the law. Paul said, do not be burdened again, which means again, the word again tells you that you used to be. You were once burdened and enslaved, but now Christ has set you free. Don't be yoked. Now, being yoked is, was, was a mechanism that they had around their necks that uh, prisoners or slaves uh, were um, they used stocks and they would be connected to each other or connected to a, a mechanism. They, they weren't free to do what they wanted to do. They had to move as it moved. And that's the law. The law did not allow us to do what we wanted to do. The law said you must do this. But when Christ came and he released us from the yoke, he released us from the shackle. He said there's no more chains because Christ has made us free. 
When he freed us from the burden of sin and the burden of men's doctrine and the burden of the ceremonial law, we were no longer walking around with rules to keep. Christ set us free. He loosed the chains. He gave us freedom now. Now we can worship Christ when we want, where we want. We can worship him without the rules and the regulations. Now we serve him with a pure heart and a pure love. That I do this not because I have to, but because I'm free to do it because I want to. And I'm standing firm in that freedom. If I do anything else and if I let anything else in, then I become enslaved again or burdened again with that yoke. We can't have Christians going around with yokes and burdens because a yoke will keep you from raising your hands and worshiping God. A yoke will keep you from loving unconditionally. A yoke will have you having a holier-than-thou attitude. It will keep you with that, holier-than-thou. If you carry the yoke, the yoke will have you always trying to live up to the standard when there's no way you can live up to the standard. That's why Christ gave us grace. He gave us mercy. He knew that I would fail. He knew that I would mess up. So you think he's disappointed? He knew that I would not hit the mark. But he gave us something. That even when we don't hit the mark, he is there. He is there to help us along the way. He's there to turn us. When we repent, it means to turn, right? It means to turn. It doesn't mean I'm sorry and you keep going the same way. It means to turn. So we have freedom to repent. We have freedom to live and to love Jesus Christ. We have freedom to pray. We have freedom to worship him in public places. We have freedom. So stand firm in that freedom. Don't be again enslaved by the law. Because the law will always condemn you. The law will lock you up. But he that the Son has made free is free indeed, John 8, 36. He that the Son has made free is free indeed. No question about it. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are free indeed. No matter what the law says, no matter what men's doctrine says, no matter what people tell you, you are free indeed. I came up in a legalistic church that very similar. They told us what we couldn't do, what we could do. In middle school, they told us we couldn't go to the movies. Told us we couldn't go roller skating. All the things that middle school kids love to do. Church said, if you go, you're, 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 um, uh, you know what, what, what the word says. Um, uh, Blessed is the man and walketh not in the council of the ungodly, nor standing at the way of sinners, nor sitting in the seat of the scornful. When you're in that movie theater, you're sitting in the seat of the scornful. can't do this. You can't do that. Legalism. That wasn't freedom. That was bondage. We didn't have a relationship with Christ that was free. We had, a, we 
had a relationship that was like a, a taskmaster. We didn't understand and didn't grasp the freedom that we had, that we could do things. And, and, and that didn't mean that we could be buck wild and just do what we wanted to do and let it all hang out. It meant that when I gave my heart to Christ and embraced the true freedom of Christ, my heart changed. I only wanted to do things that were pleasing to Christ. Now, I wasn't perfect. I made mistakes. But if I did, I wanted to get it right because I wanted to please Christ because he gave me that relationship. He gave me that heart. So therefore, I had the freedom, not because I was made to do it, but because I wanted to do it. Very legalistic. We we belong to a church, a fundamental church, that told us if you clap on the one and three, that's good music. But if you clap on the two and four, that's the devil's music. So every song had to be, this is the day. We said, we don't clap like that. We clap like, this is the day. But, you know, and we, clap, we clap on the two and four. Huh? That's an, look, that's an effort to change. To the, you, know, you know how y'all may have an issue going with the two and four? You know, you, you know. It was, you know, I'm like, what does that have to do with anything with living for Christ? Clapping on the one and three and the two and the four. Listen, just clap on them all. <laughs> You'll get it. Just clap on them all. But it was bondage. We, and we had debates with our friends, friends that we had went to church with and all of these things. We started telling them, you know, y'all need to stop clapping on the two and four. We became those Judaizers. We became those everything everybody else is doing is wrong. They got to do like what, what we're doing if they really want to be saved. We started questioning the things that we came up and were taught. We started questioning them that other people were doing. We thought we were better than them. Being judgmental, being hypocritical, just like the Judaizers. You can have Jesus. That's good. We were telling our friends, that's good. I know you're saved and everything, but y'all need to stop clapping on the two and four and get with the one and three. (laughs) Stop listening to that kind of music. Listen to classical music. It's pure. We became the Judaizers. We have forgotten about the freedom to live in Christ and to enjoy liberty in Christ. We were living with chains and shackles. We were walking around trying to worship God, but we were dragging around a ball and chain. I won't use the marriage example like I did. My wife said, don't use that one again. (laughs) I won't use it again. But we were carrying around a burden, a burden of trying to live and do right when we really were missing the mark. We were not living in freedom. We were living in feardom. We were fearful. We were serving God not out of reverent fear. We were were serving him out of scared fear. And that is not what Christ intended for us. If you're free in Christ, then stand firm in that. Don't be burdened again. Don't go back to where he brought you from. Don't return to the teachings that always made you feel like you were never anything and you would never be anything. 
Don't go back to being enslaved to your own thoughts, your past, your failings, low self-esteem. Don't let it define you. Christ has released the shackles. He's released the shackles. If we all were in prison today, shackled, behind bars, couldn't do what we wanted to do, had to eat when they said eat, sleep when they say sleep, it would be a miserable life. And that's how we were under the law. But Christ came, and he paid the price. And he said, release them from the burden of the law. The law has no power over them now. You are now free to go. How many of us would still sit there and not leave? We'll sit there and say, oh, I think I'll stay here for a little while. I like the crowded cell. I like the slop that they feed us. I like the orange jumpsuit that we wear. I think I'll just stay here behind the bars and admire all this time that I've spent here. No, we would get up and we would get out, wouldn't we? We would run for our lives because we are from now free. But what difference is it in our spiritual life when Christ has made us free, but we still live as though we're bound? Hallelujah. You're still carrying around the yoke and burden. Still letting your mistakes define who you are. Still letting people tell you what you can, what you can, who you are, who you're not. And Christ has set me free, has made me free from all of that. Shake those shackles off. The cuffs, the burden, the yoke. Get that ball off of you and walk in the liberty of Christ. We come, look, we can publicly worship him. We can publicly praise God. When we come together in this fellowship, we can lift our hands. We can raise our voices. You know, worry about anyone looking at you funny. If you want to say amen, say amen. If you want to clap your hand, clap. If you want to pat your feet, pat your foot, your feet. Somebody look at you funny. Yeah, I know, patting your feet. Pat a foot. Let him look at you funny. You have freedom to worship Christ because he has set you free. He has made you free. (laughs) Isn't that a blessing? I'm not enslaved anymore. I'm free. Paul said, watch the false teachers. False teachers, anyone tell you you can be saved plus this? It's a false teacher. We learned this a couple weeks ago. Heard it in Galatians. Chapter 1, 2, 3, 4. Anyone tell you you can have Jesus and be saved? Plus following a ceremonial law? It's a false teacher. Anyone tell you you can be saved? Plus the doctrines of men? It's a false teacher. False prophets. False doctrine. Anything plus? Remember? Anything plus? Jesus? Nothing. Jesus is the only. He stands alone. There is none other. It's just Jesus. There is no supplement. There is no addendum. It's just Jesus and his grace and his mercy. And Paul wanted 
the churches to understand that. You've come too far to go back to where you come from. Paul continues it, Galatians 5, 3, and 4. He says, again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. If you're circumcised, then you are obligated now to obey the whole law. You are in a heap of trouble. Circumcision. Paul taught him it doesn't save you, doesn't do anything, a little pain, but it doesn't give you salvation, doesn't save you. What you do is you're giving in to the law and the doctrines of men. He said you're obligated now to serve the whole law. He said in you that have given into the law, you are now alienated from Christ. Alienated means you're estranged. You're, you're at a distance. You're, 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 you're estranged from Christ. You're no longer standing in his freedom. You are now standing outside of his freedom. You are alienated. And you have fallen from grace. Any grace is so wonderful. Grace is so beautiful and so pure that you wonder how can one fall from grace but the grace but grace and the law cannot cohabitate cannot cannot be a cohort cannot work together because when grace pulls you one way the law is going to pull you the other way when grace tells you you are the law is going to tell you you're not when grace says Try again, you didn't reach the mark. The law will tell you, you didn't hit the mark, you're a failure. Grace will tell you your past is the past. Let it go. Move on. The law will tell you, you've got to give a, an account to that past. You need to, you need to explain to us. You have a penalty for what you've done. You're no longer, when you're falling from, when you're falling from grace, you are alienated. You are estranged. Paul made his point clear in verse 5 and 13. He said, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We were called to be what? Not bound. We were called to be free. I mean, we got our freedom call, and we should run in that. You are called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Don't go crazy and say, I'm free. I'm going to let it all hang out. I'm going to do what I want to do, when I want to do, and where I want to do. I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm free. Paul said, don't use it to indulge in the flesh. Don't go crazy with it. Meaning, don't, if you are free to do something, I gave this example earlier uh, uh, this morning. If you are, uh, different Christians have different beliefs about drinking. I'm going to use that, okay? Some believe, oh, no, don't touch the devil. Some believe, you know, you can drink, you know, just don't get drunk. You know, there's a lot of beliefs around it. So you might say, I'm free. I'm, I'm going to have me one, and I'm going, to, I'm going to be free because I'm free in Christ. But you might be with a brother or sister who's struggling with it. 
who's having issues with it, and, 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 and it leads to other issues and troubles in their lives. But you might be hanging out with them, and you say, you know, I'm free, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to partake of this. And I, I know they're with me, but they should have self-control. You know, they should be able to handle. No, because now you're using your freedom, and, and, and you're indulging in the flesh, which then becomes a stumbling block to your brother or sister. Now, the word also tells us don't use your freedom as a cloak or a stumbling block to your brother. Okay? Think we are to serve each other humbly in love, right? We are to look out for each other. We are to hold one another up. So your freedom is not for you to go wild. Your freedom is to serve Christ, to love Christ. And we'll see later when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit, is to always care for one another. So you don't indulge in the flesh so that it becomes a stumbling block to someone else. You have to carefully live your life, but you live in the freedom, but knowing that in this freedom, I still have to love and care for other people. You can't do it if it's going to be a stumbling block to someone else. Now, when we were coming up, what our friends did, we didn't do, but we didn't do them for the wrong reason. We didn't do them because they said we couldn't do them. Now, had we really had the true teaching about being free in Christ, we could have done them knowing that it doesn't mess with our relationship with Jesus. That he doesn't mind if we do this because we are living free in him and our heart is hidden with him. Living in his freedom. Now, sin, sin is sin, right? There's no question, there's no gray area, there's no black sin, there's no white sin. Just like there's no black lie, little lie, you know, lie is a lie. A lie is what isn't the truth, okay? Sin is sin across the board. Doesn't matter who's doing it, it's sin. When you live in the freedom of Christ, you don't live for Christ because you're afraid to sin, you don't live in Christ uh, in the freedom of Christ because you're afraid of the law or anything. You live in the freedom of Christ because He set you free and He's gave you He's given you the authority to live a life purposely for Him and a life that glorifies Him and a life that brings Him glory and exalts Him. When you live in that kind of freedom, then you do express and you do demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit, which is found in five twenty-two. He says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there things there is no law. There is nothing against, there is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. We live in the fruit of the Spirit because of what Christ has done in us. We display the fruit of the Spirit because of Christ's freedom and his liberty and his love that is in us. We love unconditionally. We have joy unspeakable. We have peace that surpasses all understanding. We have long suffering because Christ is with us and we can stand firm having done all to stand. We have kindness because Christ said be kind we don't yell at ref saying bad call we are kind we have goodness we are good to others we are good to our brothers we are good to our sisters we have faithfulness because Christ has shown himself faithful we have gentleness and self-control I don't have to do it I have self-control Christ has given me self-control. Not that I control myself, 
because I'm hidden in Christ. He gives me the strength. The fruit of the Spirit. Display the fruit of the Spirit. Now, any, any seed that's planted is going to bring forth that fruit. If an apple, apple seed is planted, it's going to bring forth what? Oranges? No. Apples. It's going to bring forth apples. If an apple seed is planted, it's going to bring forth apples. That's the fruit. If Christ's seed is in us, it should bring forth fruit of the Spirit. We should display fruit of the Spirit. Now, when we become, again, burdened and yoked by the things that are not in Christ, then we bring forth bad fruit, right? How many of you have those nice fruit bowls in your, in your house and you put your fruit in it? When the fruit becomes bad, what happens? Fruit flies. Fruit flies. Then you're walking around the house. Where did these things come from? In your bedroom. How did they get in here? Bad fruit will draw fruit flies. If you're not living by the fruit of the Spirit, but you're living by the fruit of the law or the flesh or anything, it's going to draw fruit flies. Irritation, agitation, frustration. You'll never think, you never think you can get rid of them. They multiply like crazy. Your frustration will multiply. You thought you got rid of them, but they just keep coming back because bad fruit, meaning when you're not living according to it, it's going to, it's going to bring bad results. But the fruit of the Spirit, the, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the forbearance, the gentleness, the kindness, gentleness, self-control. When we live with those fruit and walk in those fruit, Paul said if you live in the Spirit, Walk in the Spirit, meaning a connection with Christ. It doesn't mean walking around like this. I'm spiritual. Watch out. I have a word for you. You have a word for everybody except yourself. Spiritual. That's not what he means by walking in the Spirit. He means be, be connected with Christ. Walk and display the fruit of Christ. We have freedom in Christ. Don't use it as an occasion or as a stumbling block. Don't indulge in the flesh, but live in the liberty of Jesus Christ, in which he has set us free, and stand firm. We receive Paul's teaching in Paul's letter because it's the truth, it's the gospel, and it's what has set us free. And we need to walk therein God's truth. He that the Son has made free is free indeed. Maybe this morning you've come here struggling. You know Christ has set you free but you still remain behind the invisible prison of your past, of your hurts, of your pains, of what people said about you, what people say you wouldn't be, what you could not be. It's time to live in the freedom of what Christ has made you. 
And I want to pray for you this morning that you will walk in that freedom. And maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You haven't given him your heart. I want to pray with you also. You will receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And when you receive Jesus Christ, he makes you free. Being free is not another experience when you receive Christ. When you receive Christ, he makes you free. Now, we grow and we develop and we progress in him. We're not perfect. We never will be. But we grow in him and we grow together in Christ. So I'm going to ask your heads bowed and let us pray and ask you to repeat these words. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am a believer. I am a follower. I am saved. I am free. In Jesus' name. Amen.